hardest financial times I ever had was my senior year in high school. I actually spent pretty much that entire year homeless, just bouncing from couch to couch wherever I could find someone who would let me stay for a bit. There was actually one point, somewhere around prom time, where I didn't even have a couch to sleep on. I was sleeping on a sleeping bag on the floor somewhere at somebody's house that I didn't actually even know. They were kind enough to let me stay there. And that was pretty rough, but that kind of inspired me that year to actually start working hard in school, trying to get my grades up and go to college, which worked out. I ended up getting a full-ride scholarship to UT, and as soon as I left there and left that situation and went to college, uh, I've had a roof over my head and bed to sleep on every night since then. In fact, now I have a super comfortable king-size mattress to sleep The hardest financial times I ever faced would have to be when I moved to Texas. I received my last check at my previous job at that time in May of 2016, and I moved to Texas August of 2016. And I wasn't supposed to start my job until the end of August. So I ultimately didn't have a job for four months overall. However, the way that I overcame that challenge was to live with my parents for three months before I moved to Texas. And then when I got here, I just counted my pennies. <laughs> ultimately, I made sure I just went to work, go back to my um, apartment. I actually utilized public transportation. That was the first time ever I've done that. I also, you know, just ate Roman noodles and made it work until I received my next check. And then from that struggles, I actually um, took the step to learn how to budget and become a stronger budgeter. Welcome to Me Green Money, the UNT Student Money Management Center podcast that explores everything you need to know to be financially successful in college and beyond. Today, however, we're taking time to talk about the hard times when you might not feel financially successful. We started this episode with stories from real students to prove that everybody has times when they struggle and it's okay to admit it and ask for help. We have Danielle Champagne with us here to cover what to do, where to go for help, and what you can do to protect yourself from financial hardships. Hope you enjoy. Could you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Danielle Champagne. I'm the Assistant Director for Financial Wellness with the Student Money Management Center at UNT. And I oversee several programs here at the center, um, including financial coaching, our emergency loan programs, our assessment team, and our student success program. So could you tell me uh, what some of the most common financial hardships or crises that students face are? It varies a lot, but if I could categorize them, I'd probably say that having job hours reduced or eliminated is common. Family support and having that either reduced or removed as well. And then major expenses like um, car repairs, medical bills, or repair or replacing like a computer or cell phone. If you're in one of those situations, uh, we'll look at the first one, say that your family support is getting removed or you just lost your job. What are some of the first steps that you need to take? The very first thing to do is probably the hardest, but be realistic about your situation. Analyze what's going on, 
figure out and decide I'm going to face this head on. I need to deal with the situation and not try to run from it because it's not going away. The second thing I would say is to ask for help. Everyone needs help sometimes, which I'll probably say several more times throughout this. Um, And then sit down and determine your current financial picture. So that includes how much money you have access to right now, what bills or expenses you have to take care of in the very short term, what bills or expenses you could get extensions on or delay, where you can cut upcoming expenses, so like food or gas, other types of daily expenses, and then what kind of resources you can find from there. I think the most important thing from this is to remember that there's going to be a normal. It might be a new normal for you, depending on the circumstances, but there will be a normal again. So make a plan too for transitioning back into that more quote unquote normal financial situation. But don't forget any opportunities you can for saving and adding more savings to your budget and minimize the pain of any future emergency situations. You mentioned trying to get back to normal. Is there any kind of normal time frame for how long it might take to get out, or does it depend entirely on the situation? I I think it, it depends, one, on the situation, because those can be very drastic. Two, it depends on your particular circumstances and what it really means to get back to normal. Because if your family support is completely removed because you need to get away from them for some reason, then that's going to be a very long-term sort of change. That's a new normal, like I said earlier. For some things, it's just, my car is broken down. I have to figure out how to get it fixed. It's going to be $1,500, which is kind of a lot of money for a lot of students. That's a lot of money for an adult, too. Um, But it's it's one of those things that that's a much shorter time frame, And so there is a more back to normal than it used to be. Are the steps any different when it is something like a car repair where it's hopefully just a one-time expense? The initial steps are not different. Be realistic, draw on your resources and find savings. Then if it's a one-time situation, insist with it yourself. You will save money with each paycheck in the future. Don't forget how much the emergency hurt. It will help your motivation for future savings. If it's a combination of those things, like there's a major one-time expense, say it's a healthcare expense, but then it's also I'm not going to be able to work for a couple months. Is there anything different that you would do in that situation? I think for, for my recommendation, if it's a longer term situation, then look more closely at the possible external resources you may be able to tap into. So if you're staying in school, are there financial aid resources that are available or have newly become available considering your situation? Are there patient assistance plans available for any medications? Do you need to review your insurance coverage and get better out-of-pocket deals? Have you told your doctor or the hospital that you're tight on your expenses to see what might be possible? And then finally, for especially those longer-term changes, have you looked into any state benefits or community or religious organizations that can help you with your bills while you're not able to work? How do you get started in trying to find those organizations and places that can help? Come to us. We're glad to help. (laughs) So we're here on campus, Chestnut Hall, 313. And if you're an active student, then at least currently, 
Um, we can certainly help you try to see if there's any resources directly from our office. It may be that you're, we're just a conduit for you to find other resources. If there's a chance you might have to withdraw from school, then the Dean of Students Office would be the place to go and talk to them. They are tapped into a lot of similar resources we are for emergency situations as well and can maybe help you point you to a different area or something. Check with your family and friends if that's possible. You never know who might let you crash on their couch for a couple weeks until you get back into the swing of things or who may have a similar enough schedule to you that you guys could carpool to class, something like that. So talk to them, ask. There's no shame in any of this, which I've said before, and I'm sure I will say again. And then also, again, if there are potential community resources for you or anything from the state, there is a website that you can go to. It's under 211-TEXAS. That is actually a phone number, too, 211. You can call and be connected to community-based need, need-based need assistance. For the website, you can literally go in, and I've done this with students, if you're having trouble making ends meet with your groceries to be able to come up with food and you've used the food pantry on campus but you need something else, I literally have typed in food in the search and the Denton zip code and it up has popped multiple different resources for students that they can get to and then you can cross-reference that with schedules and whoever's available to help you get there you could ride the bus in Denton for free to get around those sorts of things too so that's a good broader resource option for you if you are going to ask your family or your friends for help, I imagine there's a lot of fear that goes with admitting that you're in some sort of financial bind. How do you get over that fear and be okay with admitting that you're not okay? So the, the mean part of me will say this. Get over yourself and ask for help because you need help. But the the realistic part of me says it's really hard to ask for help. And I get that. I struggle with that too. It's not something that anybody is immune to. But what you have to understand is that if you were the only person in the world who needed help, none of these resources would exist. Everybody needs help at some point. And tell your story to people. So when you do decide, I'm going to be able to do this, just tell them what's going on. A lot of times I have found more often than not, there's somebody else that I know who's gone through a similar situation. The details may be a little bit different, but everybody has experienced some sort of instability or crisis in their life. Again, the, the details are different, but the experiences are, are universal. So let people help you because it feels good. To help somebody else. I mean, think about if your friend came to you and said, I don't know what to do. I lost my job. I couldn't get in with my classes because they kept trying to change my hours. And now I don't know what to do because I can't pay my bills. Would you judge your friend or would you jump in immediately to help them? Yeah, not help them. Exactly. Because that's who we are. Because we care about people and we're compassionate. And let other people do that for you. Give them the chance to help you out because it's going to help you, obviously. But it will also even help them feel like you trust them enough to be able to say, this is what's going on in my life. And I imagine that would be the kind of thing where you feel a lot better when you get it out and you hear somebody else say, yeah, I've been through 
the same thing. So then you don't feel like you're alone in it and you don't feel like, oh no, like I'm the only one who's messed up. Like, no, like everybody has been in that situation sometimes. Yes. Um, what you can't <laughs> hear is me nodding emphatically. Yes, yes, yes. That is the thing. Um, the What I have said before is no one is an expert at everything and everybody can benefit from somebody else. And so it doesn't have to be a transactional environment. It could just be, I need some advice. Have you been through this before? What direction do you think that I should go? Or here's my plan. Does this make any sense? If you are going either to your friends and family or to some kind of more formal organization, are there best practices for how to ask for help and have the maximum chance of receiving the help that you need? I think that for me, it goes back to what I said uh, before is tell your story, tell the whole story about what's going on. Um, depending on, you know, if there's details you need to keep private or not, but um, explain it. Don't try to hold things back because you never know, like we just said, who is, who's been through that before, who they might know that's a resource for you or what kind of connection you may be able, may be able to make. It's really about just opening yourself up just a little bit, throwing that trust out there just a little bit and saying, here's what's going on in my life. And I don't really know where to go next. And just taking that first step changes everything. Are there students that you can remember working with who have taken that first step and have been able to get through some of these situations? So I had a student who was, there's there's so many, but I, I thought this was something that made me so proud to know where she came from and where she was headed to. She was on a limited income, very limited income. Um, she had been living with her boyfriend and they broke up. It was not a good situation, so it became very imperative that she would have to leave and get a place on her own. So, of course, life happens all at once, as it is wont to do. And so she had just repaired her car and paid all of her bills for the month, and so she had literally hit less than zero in her bank account. And I know most college students have been there, or very close to it at some point in their college career, so you can know how much of a panic that is. So she came in, didn't even know that we had coaching sessions. She just came in crying. I don't know what to do. Can somebody help? So we had a coaching session. Throughout that time, it was great because she was very willing to admit that she did need help and that she wanted to move forward with her life and make sure that she was on able to be on her own again. So she really got to the point in that session that she really started to believe she could figure this out. Although she wanted to move into a new apartment on her own, there was no way she was going to come up with that money and she didn't have a co-signer anyway. So what we looked at was an option of moving instead into the residence hall. We worked out a payment plan for her and make her housing payments. Um, we were able to help her coordinate with financial aid to find some additional aid she qualified for because she had medical expenses and that altered her aid package. So there was some more complication there, but a good result in the end. Um, so we looked at what her plan was going to be. So she determined her budget wrote out all, all of her spending every single day and then worked towards her goal of living on 25% of her income and then started saving even more when possible. 
Now, it wasn't possible all the time, but that was her goal, was under 50% of her income. And so whatever else she could possibly come up with, that was going to be great for her. The rest of her bills um, were really mainly prioritized with the residence hall and the meal plan. Those are set costs, so she knew exactly what that was going to be every single month. And then she looked at changing her habits. Um, she wanted to minimize any fluctuations in her spending. So she set her mind to keep the plan. She changed her habits and she stuck with it. Each month when she came in for a follow-up coaching session, she was showing more and more success and more and more confidence in herself. She graduated a year and a half later, then got into grad school in another state, and she had enough saved up to be able to make that move without going into any more debt wow. and without tapping into anything else. That's a huge change. Yeah, in a year and a half. That's what she was able to do. She changed her life in a year and a half. And I doubt she even thought of that boyfriend ever again. So what would you say the difference is between students who are able to make such a drastic change and students who have something beat them down and have a really hard time ever recovering? I, I will say the the biggest thing is the determination to say, I'm going to make changes because that change has to happen for whatever reason that, you know, student doesn't have enough money in their bank account to be able to cover the emergency situation, then they need to look at how can I make that happen? So what is the reason I can do something in the future instead of, well, I couldn't do it then. So I just give up. Well, okay. But if I'm more than broke, I don't ever want to be like that again. And so making that decision and then changing your behaviors. So it really has to be every single day. Am I spending money or saving money today? What do I have to spend money on? What can I save on instead? And if somebody wanted to come in and talk to you to try to get some help sorting their situation, what could they expect from a coaching session with you? I think they, they can expect to get what they need. And to get what they're willing to work for, I think that's important to remember as well. I can't solve anyone's problems. What I can do is help them figure out how to solve their own problems. I can give them advice. I can give them support. I can give them resources. But at the end of the day, they are going to make those decisions on their own. I try to be funny as much as I can um, because these are uncomfortable, complicated, emotionally fraught sort of topics sometimes. And, and a lot of times with students, there's stress involved with this. The issue is for me always, what are the goals of the student and where do you want to go with this coaching session? And then how are we going to get there from it? And my job is to help you figure those things out. So what I really look at holistically is where are you today in your financial life? And then if there's negatives in your financial life, we need to look at, look back to yesterday, however long ago yesterday was that started this whole thing and say, where, why did you get to the point that you are today? So what happened to get you there? Are there bad habits that you have? Are there sort of structural things in your budget that are preventing you from moving forward? Are there things you need to look at in your family life or your living situation or the decisions that you're making? What can we do to make sure that your tomorrow is positive? And for our students, it's always, 
what is your tomorrow? So for the one I told you about before, her tomorrow was a year and a half from when she, so that was when she was going to graduate. Everything changed then again, fundamentally. But when she first came in, her tomorrow was tomorrow. And so those things are different for every student, but how can I help you navigate from today until your tomorrow so that you can look back and say, well, it may not have been easy, but it was worth it. So if you have students who are listening who haven't experienced any kind of financial crisis yet, but want to make sure they do everything they can to never end up in that point, what are some preventative measures that you can take? This is a common refrain. Save more money. <laughs> Save. I, I have literally ne- never met anyone who regretted having money set aside that they could tap into, that they could make their own decisions with, um, and that they didn't have to rely on someone else. They could just take care of it themselves and deal with whatever was going on and not the money behind it. I, I do want everyone to remember money is not the problem. It's the symptom of whatever's going on in your life. Once you recovered or in the process of recovering, to make sure that you give yourself some grace, forgive yourself for whatever happened, um, forgive whoever caused whatever happened if it wasn't you, but let yourself get through it. And then knowing that there's experiences you can learn from, from either your personal experiences or someone else, watch and learn because people are willing to talk if you let them, if you give them that grace to talk as well, to say, I want to know how you handled this because I genuinely appreciate what I see on the other side of that. And so I share some of my financial stories with students sometimes, if that can be a help for me, it's scary the first time I told somebody what I did in college and how stupid I was <laughs> in my financial decisions um, because I've done some dumb stuff in my life, but we all have. That's the thing that, that's the thing that it's hard to see nowadays. We all project such perfect looking lives on Instagram and Twitter and uh, you know Snapchat and all that, that these are the greatest things in the world and I'm living my best life. But yeah, How long does it take to take a picture? That's literally a millisecond of time. And that might not be the whole story. Is it ever the whole story with you? Probably not. It's never the whole story with me, but it's something I wanted to share. And so understand that there's plenty of stuff that people never share. And I think the more honest we are with each other and and ourselves even, that we are not perfect. We don't know everything. And... We're going to make mistakes, but those mistakes can teach us how to be stronger in the future. When it comes to your money, being stronger in the future means making better decisions and making sure to save and prioritize yourself. Whether it's in your capacity as a coach or just if a friend comes to you and says, hey, I need help, what is the best way to help them? Um, First, I listen. And I make sure that while I'm listening, I'm not judging them. I am very much a you-do-you person. If you ever talk to me, you will hear me say, hey, you-do-you. Because the decisions that happened, especially if the decisions were in the past, we can't change those. We're not going to make anyone's minds up by saying, 
oh, well, do this or don't do that. Or how could you have, you know, how could you have made that decision? I never asked that question. Now. Yeah, like, like you I'm, can't change it, so why make them feel worse about it? Exactly, and there's there's nothing I can do to help the situation by judging them, and it's just not productive. So what I really try to look at is how can I help them move forward, and so for me, it's listening to the whole story. What's going on? Are there any little things that they're sort of barely mentioning but maybe really important but they're kind of embarrassed about is it something that seems kind of sensitive to them and so how can I broach that for me I try to be as authentic as I possibly can you're gonna get real Danielle every single day um and I think that helps people trust me because they know I'm I am just real and that we're just going to, we're going to be real in this situation. Did you screw up? Yes. Okay. Let's move on. How can you not screw up again? Did you become a victim of a circumstance? Sometimes, you know, sometimes somebody else does that something to you and there's nothing you could have done any differently. So how can we learn from that and move on? That's okay. That's where we go from here. And I'm very solution oriented and action oriented I think it's what's next what can we do from now until tomorrow and then what about the next day and what about the next week and the next month and if we need to stop and sort of backtrack a little bit that's okay there's no such thing as a straight line and and when it comes to your money at least um and for the rest of your life it'll never be like that and and so I think that it's just a let's celebrate the good things that have happened Let's try to figure out how to fix the bad things that have happened and just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Going back for just a second to taking those preventative measures and savings, how do you get started saving if you've never really made that a habit in your life? The first thing is to look at your budget. Is there money left over? And then look at what your how your personality plays into this. So I like to do this with most of my students is to figure out where we can utilize their personality in a good way. So me, I'm very type A, like competitive, do this, do that, never stop moving sort of person. And so I know for me, I need to, if I can make it a competition, I'm going to win that competition. (laughs) Um, And there's just no two ways about that. So what I need to look at for my personal savings is going to be how can I compete with myself for savings? So at the end of every month, the last few days of the month, I'm looking at what's in my bank account. Now I've already saved at the beginning of the month on the first, there's money went into my savings account. And so that hasn't been touched because that's the rule. But then what's left in my bank account and how, Anything that's left over, what I do is transfer into savings so that I start the new month again, because that's how often we get paid. And so I start that new month again with a zero balance, then my paycheck comes in and I can spend from that. So it becomes kind of this game amongst my, like with myself, is how much can I not spend at the end of the month in order to be able to turn that into savings. So if I'm sitting at 
you know, $130 at the end of the month, that's a great number. If I'm sitting at $4 at the end of the month, that's life. Um, but it's never zero. That's number one. And number two, how high can I possibly get it? So I do a lot of like pantry eating at the end of the <laughs> month. What's left over in the fridge and the pantry? Because that's my competition with myself. And it makes me feel like I've accomplished something, especially if I can be higher than the previous month. That makes me feel really good. Um, the other thing I'm terrible about is cash. I hate spending bills. And so what I'll do for my general spending is pulling um, some, I pull some cash out at the bank and then, or cash back somewhere. And that's what I can spend. These aren't the like regular bills I have during the month. This is just the everyday sort of spending stuff that happens because it hurts to break a 20. There's just something about breaking a 20 that pains me. But once it's broken, it's gone. Like I don't even know where it went. I will hold on to a 20 in my wallet for the month. But if it's a 10, it's gone. If it's a one, it's like it never existed. You know, there's, there's this psychological sort of thing in my head about that. So I decided that, um, I was going to start saving a certain kind of bill. So I saved my $5 bill. So if you, if there's a $5 bill that you hand me, it has to go into my savings no matter what. And I cry sometimes because I'll hand somebody a hundred dollar bill and I get back like five fives and I'm like, Oh, that wasn't supposed <laughs> to happen. <laughs> but it's whatever happened in their register till. And that's how it goes. And that, that is my fate. The universe has told me that I need to save $25 that day because there are those five fives when there really only should have been one, but it is what it is. And that is, that's how life works. And so for, for me, it's those little things. It's here's this rule that $5 doesn't hurt so bad. So that's, what's going to go into the savings because I don't notice $5 at a time. Now that was not true my whole life. There were plenty of times where a dollar bill would have fed me because that's enough ramen to get through a few days. But today, at least those fives don't hurt so bad. And so I can put those away and sort of let as I said, the universe, tell me how much money I need to save by how many fives are coming in. It's another little way to put aside a little bit more money every so often that turns into a lot of money more quickly than you could imagine. And once that money goes into savings, under what circumstances can you take money out of savings? What kind of emergency does it have to be? There should be bleeding. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the most um, the most emergency type situation involved blood so um i would say there would need to be bleeding um i i have i have a couple of different types of savings accounts um, and you can get multiple savings accounts at the bank you just have to follow all their rules and then i also have some cat i call it my cash stash because it sounds cute um and so i have multiple avenues I try to keep a buffer in my bank account and just my regular checking account, but those, and so I don't need to touch my savings, but there should be a pretty major situation happening for me in order to touch that. One of them I'm more willing to dip into for, for expenses that are not 
of the ordinary. So I just, I actually just had to get my car repaired and the bill was like $400. And I had, because I, you know, put regularly put money away and do that sort of thing. I had the money for it. And so I pulled into, it was more than I had allocated for any kind of car repairs this month anyway. So that wasn't in my budget, quote unquote, but it was really in my budget because it was a longer term expense. I had put money aside for anyway. I didn't know when I was going to need a car repair, but I have a car yeah. <laughs> and it needs repairs. It's coming sometime. Yeah, we know it's coming. And so I put money aside every month because I know my car is getting a little older. I have more miles on it than I did before. I'm out of the warranty on it. And so I know those things are going to have to come out of pocket. And so I've been saving on that. I actually started saving on that before my car was out of warranty, knowing that I have terrible luck and probably there would be a $2,000 expense like the day after the warranty expired. It did not happen like that. So thankfully I was, I was doing better than I thought. Um, but I have that sort of savings that I can tap into for the things that are out of the ordinary expenses that I don't feel bad about. But part of that savings account is also required to be replenished as quickly as possible. And so if I dip into that more than I plan initially when I'm doing my budgeting, then I'm going to relook at where the rest of my expenses are and say, well, you know, I'm a hundred dollars shorter than I needed to be. How can I cut my budget next month so I can get back that hundred dollars? Now the dollar amounts might be different for you. It, that's irrelevant. It's the point. Um, and so for me, it's that next month, if I spend a hundred dollars from there, then that next month I need to cut a hundred dollars from my budget. And so for, for us, it's really about, you know, eating out a lot less, being careful with groceries and what you're buying, making sure you're using stuff in the pantry. Those sorts of things make it a lot easier to save up. Thank you so much for letting us interview you and coming on the podcast. Do you have any final words of wisdom that you'd like to share? Save money. <laughs> um, come in and see us because we can help you figure out how to save money. There, There is an unlimited number of ways for you to be able to save and plan ahead for the future. And we want to make sure that you're getting what you need. So figure out how to achieve your goals and come into the SMMC and get a financial coaching session. Once again, that was Danielle Champagne. I've worked with Danielle for two years, and I can tell you that what she said was true. She legitimately cares about students she works with, and she can help you without judgment. So please schedule a session with her if you need guidance. And you can do that by calling our office at 940-369-7761 or visiting us in Chestnut Hall, Suite 313. The Student Money Management Center is your on-campus resource for all things personal finance, so please feel free to visit us anytime for a free coaching session. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Any feedback or ideas can be sent to money.management at unt.edu. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.